Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon and a happy Tuesday, September 6th, the year 2022. I hope you're having a great day today and a wonderful Labor Day. It's back to the grind we go, and we're so glad that you are with us. We'll talk all about the Tigers. We'll talk about the Southern Jags and what this means uh, to them this Saturday and all the events that are transpiring during the week. It's a community in unity is the thing theme and then of course the saints will open up their season on sunday and we'll talk all about that and much much more with you and my main man james mesh who is in the producer's chair sitting there in the game studios uh spinning the tunes pushing all the buttons he's in the on the campus of delta media which houses klwb which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in Lake Charles on 1041 FM. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. If you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you got a television set nearby, pop it on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, uh, the LSU Tigers back at it um, with Brian Kelly addressing the media today. It was a Tuesday edition because they played on a Sunday, and yesterday was um, a holiday of sorts. Brian Kelly talked about Jaden Daniels. I think early recognition needs to be better. Later in the game, he definitely settled into some good rhythm. When we did go some tempo, I think that really benefited him. No question, no doubt about that. Shows you kind of a little bit about um, Allie Gay, who reached out to Jordan Travis to apologize for his hit. Uh, which got him ejected from the ball game. Jordan Travis tweeting, respect to Allie Gay for reaching out to me. I really appreciate that. And it shows what type of person he is. It's part of football, and I wish him nothing but the best for him. 100%. 100%. So Allie Gay, first class, first class dude by every stretch of the imagination. Um. Brian Kelly also said critical analysis is going to get us better. He says players understand criticism comes with the responsibility of playing for LSU, but there's a line. He won't make excuses for players, but coaches must be constructively critical to help players improve. If you've been an athlete on any level, you know the word constructive criticism. It comes it comes with the territory. No question about that. Um, anybody that was uh, worried or wondering about uh, Malik Neighbors, why he was back um, there to receive another punt after he fumbled it, Brian Kelly said, that was my call. I believe in him. He's a great athlete. Uh, we'll go from there. 
we'll go from there. And one of the biggest question marks now is where the Tigers turn and how this defensive line can operate without Mason Smith, who's done for the year with his torn ACL. The Raging Cajuns get back in action Saturday as Eastern Michigan comes to town. Coach uh, Michael Desimo talked about the game and that the impact. Hey, it's on the NFL Network, national television. What about that, Coach Des? I, mean, I, I think it's great. You know, I, I think it's great for our players. I think it's great for our program. It's great for our university. Anytime that we get to play on national television, you know, we our representation of, of this university goes beyond just the normal reach of it. And the NFL Network, you know, is a national brand. I think I heard 57 million homes. It's a great opportunity for us to really demonstrate and show what the culture is all about. I think getting to play another group of five team that's a really good team from a conference that we run into all the time in the bowl games, that's a great thing for us as well, you know, for the Sunbelt Conference, for us as a university. Um, so there's a lot of positives in it. Anytime we get to showcase our university, right, getting to play at home on our field, you know, and the whole country sees that stacked Raging Cajuns logo in Louisiana in the end zones, that's nothing but a good thing. So, you know, um, our kids will be fired up for it. I, I know they're already, it didn't matter, you know, if this is on national television or we're going to be playing in the parking lot, you know, with the car lights on, they're going to be ready to play this game because they know that we have a lot of improvement to do. It's just more fun when you get to do it on a stage like this against a team that we really respect, um, you know, and then obviously at home, you know, so all those things are, are good for us. You mm -hmm. Always a good thing. No question about that. We will um, uh, go behind the enemy lines on Thursday each and every week during this college football season. We'll have the play-by-play uh, -play voice of Eastern Michigan to uh, decipher this this ball club who comes to Cajun Field with a 1-0 record, as are the Cajuns. How will the Saints fare in their season opener? As look, the college boys had this past week. Now the NFL takes center stage Thursday night, the Buffalo Bills and the L.A. Rams. The Saints will play against the Atlanta Falcons, the new look Atlanta Falcons. No more Matt Ryan. No more a bunch of players. Um, and for the Saints, it's the debut of Dennis Allen and his start as the head coach. Um, Jameis Winston got bragging rights over the LSU Tigers on the Saints with the Florida State Seminoles win uh, over LSU. Dennis Allen was asked about his level of confidence of Jameis, Michael Thomas, and this New Orleans Saints offense. Yeah, I do. You know, certainly in a perfect world scenario, everybody'd be out there all the time together. Um, you know, unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world, and so we have to be able to adjust to that. But I, I like where each one of those guys is individually, and, and certainly there's still some some things that we got to do to gel uh, collectively as a group. But, look, I, I, I like that start, you know, with all the talent, and then we'll work to, to, to make sure it gels together. Marcus Mariota is the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. He does that little read option thing, although not nearly as much as he used to when he was an Oregon Duck, for sure. But uh, here is um, the Honey Badger, uh, Tyron Matthew, and his impressions of Mariota. Well, he's always been one of those guys that can, uh, you know, extend plays, you know, move around uh, the pocket, uh, you know, find guys downfield. So, uh, I mean, it would be tough duty uh, trying to stop him. You know, obviously they have weapons 
you know, in the backfield and, you know, the tight end position and, you know, a great size at, at wide receiver. So it'll be a great challenge for us. All right. Saints and the Falcons in Atlanta this Sunday for the Saints opener. Um, what a match it was at the United States Open in New York, American Francis Tiafo stunned Rafa Nadal um, and gets to the U.S. Open quarterfinals. Said it was like uh, he was blurry from tears. He was thrilled, overwhelmed, even when the last point was over and it hit him that, yes, he ended Rafa Nadal's 22-match Grand Slam winning streak yesterday and reached the U.S. Open quarterfinals for the first time. TFO said, I felt like the world stopped. I couldn't hear anything for a minute. He's just 24 years old. He could be the next budding United States of America tennis star. And boy, does does the United States need a tennis star? No question, no doubt. Aaron Judge hit another homer. He's trying to break Roger Maris's um, record um, with... The New York Yankees at 61 home runs during a season. So keep track of that as the Yankees have won two in a row. They lead the Tampa Bay Rays by five. We got a horse race in the AL Central. Cleveland leads Minnesota by one. The Astros have won two in a row, seven of their last 10. They're 87 up, 48 down, an 11-game lead over Seattle in the AL West. Over in the National League, The Atlanta Braves have won five in a row. The Mets have lost two in a row. The Braves trail New York by only one in the NL East. The Redbirds of St. Louis lead the Milwaukee Brewers by seven and a half. And the L.A. Dodgers, despite being five and five their last ten, nobody seems to be good in the NL West. The Dodgers lead San Diego by 19 points. Let me tell you our guest list today, Matthew Bruni of Go247, I mean, excuse me, on three.com excuse me matthew on three.com will join us we'll talk more about what he heard from brian kelly today um we'll talk to the athletic director of the southern university jaguars what a what a monumental weekend this will be look southern came up and beat some team i've never heard of florida memorial it's got to be a high school team. anyway it was like 83 to nothing this isn't about a score this is about a community in unity Southern, just a few miles up the road from LSU. They've never played football before uh, and they probably will never play football again, but this is one opportunity for Southern to make a lot of money to spread unity in a community where there's been, you know, the news has not been all that great of late. Um, And this is a great opportunity to join together. So we'll talk to Roman Banks, the athletic director, about the meaning of this week to him and to their university. Um, Our number two, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, will have the black and gold report like we always do on a Tuesday. Speaking of baseball, time is running out for you to score tickets to see the Houston Astros live in person. Go register in the Game Rewards Club to win four tickets to see Houston take on Tampa by the Bay Saturday, October 1st. We'll even throw in a tour of the ballpark hotel accommodations as well that Saturday night. This is the last Astros weekend getaway of the regular season. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana's sports 
station. We are brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, dudes, you just can't shop right at all. Matthew Bruni on 3.com talking Tigers. When we return, the Jordy Helpert Show on this Tuesday, September 6th, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. All right, welcome back. It's um, time to get busy. Let's talk Tigers. Um, Our good friend Matthew Bruni joins us. He covers LSU for Bengal Tiger on three. He's moved to a new gig. What a group they've got assembled there. And unlike every coach in America that preaches the 24-hour rule, we here in the broadcasting world, we can't live and abide by that. We've got to continue to talk a little bit more about what happened on Sunday night in that um, incredible, never-before-seen a game like that in my lifetime, lost to Florida State. Matthew from on three, Bengal Tiger. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, like you said, it can't be 24 hours over here. We're, uh, I just um, wrote another story, on one <laughs> final look at the game, and you know, did a podcast this morning. So we've we've been busy. We've been busy. You you are busy on three dot com, right on the spot of things. How was Brian Kelly today? And any tough questions thrown his way? Um, he was he was good. I think. Uh, he actually did a really good job right after the game of addressing a lot of things like the offensive line, like the linebacker position and, um, you know, defensive line and any, any questions people had. He did a really good job after the game. Uh, uh, he did, you know, kind of lament the offensive line. Uh, he talked about the offensive line struggles and how they need to, you know, test out different personnel there. Um, the quarterback position, he said, Jaden Daniels is our starting quarterback. And yeah, there, I mean, the the toughest question was probably about Kayshawn. Kayshawn Boutte asked if someone asked if he talked to him, if there was he was depressed, if he was sad, or anything like that. And uh, Brian Kelly just said he was he puts a lot of pressure on himself, and he has high expectations. And uh, he talked to him about it, and he's going to have big big days ahead. So he's not worried about him. So that's probably the the biggest uh, question coming okay, out of that. If I had been there, I would have asked the following question. Coach, you've been at Notre, you were at Notre Dame and a national program with high expectations. Have you ever experienced um, the type of reaction there that you're receiving here and now after just one game and one loss at LSU? Yeah, he, he did. Actually, uh, he talked a little bit about, I mean, just you can how he can kind of feel the expectations here and you can feel the standard and you, you know, players get, you know, criticized and everything like that for bad games and everything. It's very apparent here at LSU that what the standard is and that's for coaches and that's for players. He tried to take the brunt of as much blame as possible. And I do think, you know, he kind of said, he said, I know it's going to sound like coach speak, but we have to coach them better. And I, I think if you watch that game, there were a lot of instances where it felt like the, the coaching staff is still learning, the players are still learning. There's just so much yeah. learning still going on yeah. with this team. Yeah. And, you know, he took the blame for Malik Neighbors' second uh, fumble. He said, it's on me. I said, put him back out there. I want to have trust in him. And, you know, it, it uh, bit him in the butt. But, yeah, well, that's, uh, that's probably the main thing is there's so much learning and coaching that still has to go on with this team. 
I, I, I've got to believe that they practice punting a lot and they believed in Malik neighbors. And sometimes those bright lights, uh, you just, you just have a bad day. Unfortunately, it happened then. Fortunately, LSU didn't, uh, wasn't scored upon either time, but time yeah. and field position certainly, certainly hurt them. All right, let's, uh, let's delve into it. Lots of question marks about it. And I agree with you. I think the players are learning the coaches. The coaches are learning the players. Unfortunately, they got to fix it and they got to fix it quickly and they will these next two games these are these are rental wins they'll be uh, well this one is and then they got to go play mississippi state so that's not going to be easy uh and then new mexico uh so uh they should be a-okay mississippi state's a whole different dilemma uh for them but yeah. of all the things of all the things that were of a negative nature what stood out the most to you it it has to be my concerns with the offensive line right now, and yes. I think in particular the right side of the offensive line really struggles. Yes. I mean, I, in the moment, you could tell. I think anybody who watched the game was kind of like, you know, they're not doing a great job in pass protection. But, I mean, when you go back and watch it, Cam Wire really, really struggled. Anthony Bradford had some really poor moments. Will Campbell was struggled early. I think he got better as the game went on, though, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there were moments where the guys were solid, but – Overall, pass protection is, is probably the main thing that I'm most worried about at this moment, and we'll have to see what they do to shake that up. Does that Do they move Anthony Bradford back out to right tackle? Do they? Because, you know, throughout fall camp, they shuffled around the offensive line several times every single week. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a new starting offensive line against Southern. Oh, they've they've got to. They got to put Bradford out. A wire. Uh. Uh-uh. I mean, I know he had a bad game, and but man, alive, he was bad when it came to uh, uh, blocking on field goals and extra points. He, yeah. he, he just didn't. He just had a bad, bad game. Not only could they not pass protect, but the running game was non-existent. That to me, those two were one A and one B. Um, <laughs> there's no running back. It seems like. Yeah, the, I, I actually had a bigger concern than most people with the running back room, especially with John Emery being out uh, going into the season. Everybody yeah. just kind of, yeah, you know, took for granted. They were like, "Oh, Noah Kane, Armani Goodwin will be fine." I'm John Emery, who I think is is definitely the best back of the group. Still, you know, he's, we're not talking about this all SEC caliber running back here, right? And he, without him. You do. You just do not have an explosive playmaker out of the backfield in any way, shape, or form. Noah Kane is fine in short yard situations, but uh, he can't really catch the ball that effectively, and he's definitely not an explosive guy. But um, they they didn't have a ton of um, running opportunities. To be fair, I think they. I don't know how much the the running backs combined for. I think it was like 13 carries or so. But you know, Daniels tries to make up for that explosiveness with the read option situations and stuff, but. They definitely need John Emery back, and you know if you can get a little bit of the run game going, then I think that'll help out um, just overall the team's balance. Well, he's got one more uh, game of suspension, so he could come back for Mississippi State. Um, Mason Smith, such a such a so so such a sad, sad, sad injury. The kid's season is done, uh, but the team has to move on. Is Mecky Wingo the guy that uh, takes his place, or where do they go from here? Yeah, Mekhi um, uh, Wingo, I think, is definitely the the pick here. And I actually thought he played a really solid game uh, against yes, Florida did. State. I mean, he ended ended up with six tackles. Uh, he was a really good threat right next to Jaquel and Roy. So you have Roy and you have Wingo. 
I mean, Wingo's not Mason Smith, obviously. Mason Smith is going to be a first-round draft pick level guy, but he is still a, was all-SEC freshman team last year. I think he has really good upside, and he's he can hold his own in there. So you get Roy and you have Wingo. The depth on the defense line hurts from that injury a lot, but I think those two will be able to hold it down uh, on the inside. So, yeah, it, it just sucks for Mason Smith, like, like you said. I mean, that's really unfortunate for a guy who was supposed to be one of the better interior yeah. defense linemen in the country, really, this year. Matthew Bruni on 3.com with the uh, Bengal Tigers. Um, okay, something tells me, and I, I didn't go to one practice you did, something tells me LSU didn't practice tackling that much in fall camp because I'm telling you what, in that game Sunday, they couldn't tackle. They couldn't get off the field on third down. It was just, it was ridiculous. Is, does that, uh, is that the case? Yeah, Kelly talked about – he was actually asked this um, in the presser, just like how much the limitations on tackling throughout fall camp maybe hampered them and stuff. And he he tr- and he and basically said that's not really an excuse. Uh, you have to give Jordan Travis, the Florida State quarterback, a lot of credit uh, for his elusiveness in a lot of ways. But those running backs were able to bounce outside far too easily. Just, I mean, the gaps – weren't filled correctly. The linebackers had a tough time all around. There's just a lot that goes into um, the missed tackles, the missed opportunities that that defense had on third downs, on you know throughout the game, really. So yeah, it's it's it is a concern. I mean, you know, they work on practicing just like any other, or work on tackling just like any other team. But you, you know, with so many new faces, I mean, Greg Penn second year, Mike Jones first year as a starter, it's. It's going to be interesting to see if they can progress uh, on that side and get I'll get off the field on third downs moving forward. See, I, see, I'm of the belief, and I'm not giving excuses. I'm of the belief defense is easier to play than offense because um, of it's. There's the ball. There's the guy with the ball. Go tackle him. And when you have a chance to tackle him, you bring him down to the ground. And what concerns me uh, is. You know, Travis is a good quarterback, but you see the quarterback at Florida? You see the quarterback at Arkansas, that dude from Alabama? Um, There's going to be better quarterbacks coming down the pipeline, and if LSU doesn't start tackling right, it's going to get ugly. Yeah, I mean, especially in today's day and age, like you said, uh, K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas is a 6'4", huge guy that's tough to bring down. Anthony Richardson from Florida was great against Utah. It's it's just the way it is nowadays. Bo Nix last year with Auburn, right? Tough to bring down. You just have to um, do better in that respect. And I think that's what, if you look at good defenses, what they do. I mean, Georgia will not let, uh, didn't let Bo Nix get loose at Oregon this week. It's just mm-hmm. something that takes some time, hopefully, and they, they can figure that out. I, I do think the defense is going to be okay. I, I was actually encouraged by the secondary for the most part, I know um, some people said, you know, Jay Ward missed a couple tackles, yes, but the corners were in man a lot, and I think they held up uh, pretty well overall. Obviously, you had the, the couple, the, the, the reverse uh, flea flicker that ended up with yeah. a touchdown uh, on Makai Garner, which is unacceptable, but other than that, I mean, you mostly had guys in good position there. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay on the defense still. I'm not selling all my stock. 
Matthew Bruni uh, joining us. A lot of pressure on uh, Brian Polian, the special teams coordinator. How many times did you see LSU line up to kick a field goal or an extra point? And they'd have four guys to the side of the center. And there comes Florida State with six, sometimes seven people. Is it the ball's not getting back quickly enough to the holder? Is the kicker not getting the ball up in the air quick enough? Um I mean, LSU's got to figure out something because four can't block seven. Yeah, it, it's definitely – it was a – I mean, it was multiple things. It was missed assignments. It was – and it's it's unacceptable really from a standpoint of this is – I understand this is the first game of the season, but these are fundamentals here basically, yeah. right? You, I've watched probably 20 games over this weekend and uh, very few field goals and extra points were blocked. Um, from what I saw. And so, obviously, it's one thing if a kicker misses them, but Damian Ramos made the kicks that he got off, right. the ones that he didn't, obviously, were blocked, and that's just complete missed assignments uh, on that side. And that's going to that's gonna haunt them. Even if they don't get another – even if they don't allow another kick to get blocked the entire year, it still costs you a game. And yes. that's not the only reason they lost, obviously, but no. it is one of the reasons. Yeah. Um, as a fan, would you have gone for two? In the moment, I wasn't yelling for them to go for two, so I I can't say that I I really like you know hindsight is clear. But when you think about it, though, it would make it would have made sense considering how poorly they had played up to that point. Going to overtime, you couldn't really stop Jordan Travis, except they had started to come around. So I was fine with the extra point. you know, I think hindsight's always fifty fifteen or twenty twenty yeah. in, in that respect. Yeah. Well, I screamed from the very beginning, and, and, and this is not hindsight. This is true. You can ask people that were. I said, "Go for two. Uh, they marched down ninety nine yeah. yards against that defense yeah. um, in in a short amount of time, and they just scored uh, on a beautifully designed play. I, I, I'd have gone for two, but that's just me. I, and, and, and I don't get paid to win or lose. I just get paid to talk about it a little bit. So, um, so you were impressed with the second. I was impressed with Jaden Daniels. I thought, given the circumstances, yeah. uh, he got better and better as the game. And I can see why they picked him to be the starting quarterback. He had to run for his life <laughs> yeah i mean yeah you, you called it he's the starting quarterback and he did the best he could in that situation i think it was really tough even though he did there were some receivers that were open that he didn't see i'm i'm of the belief that heck if, if i'm back there and i know i have two seconds to make a throw it's going to be hard for me to get over to the third progression at that point yeah. because by the time you, you're done with the second read you're like okay i gotta tuck this i gotta look for where i can run where can i escape and he was very, very effective on the ground. So I, I did not have any problem with him tucking it and running with Florida State. The defense they were in, they were in a lot of man. Their backs were turned, as, as Brian Kelly said, and he made the right decision. So he did everything he could. I, I didn't have any problem with uh, how Jaden uh, played at all. All right, Matthew Bruni, we'll look forward to reading all your stuff. Remember, on3.com with the uh... – what is it, Tiger Bang? What is it again? I'm the, sorry. The Bengal, the Bengal, the Bengal Tiger. That's all right. I'm with the my Bengal fifth day on the job. So one year for one dollar. One year, yes. one dollar. I mean, come on, you cannot beat that with a stick, Matthew Bruni. Thank you so much for your time as always, and uh, I guess maybe we'll move on to Southern University tomorrow. But for today, yep. we still got to talk about the debacle, buddy. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks. Anytime. Man. All right, man, you got it, Matthew. Bruni, 
BengalTigersOn3.com. When we return, we'll talk to the athletic director of Southern University. Just what does this mean for that university, that athletic department, that program? We'll find out next here on the Jordan Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Fighting Tigers of LSU in southwest Louisiana. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back 36 minutes after the hour. LSU and Southern University play football for the first time in the storied histories of the two programs coming up this Saturday. 6.30 kickoff in Tiger Stadium, a game that will be aired on 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, and shown on the SEC Network. Um, a team from the SEC playing an historically black college university. We're calling it the Community of Unity. And joining us now to share on the impact that this game means to the university on the bluff is my good friend and the athletic director at Southern University, uh, Mr. Roman Banks. Roman, thank you for the time, man. How are you doing this week? I know it's a busy one. Busy week, but I'm doing well, Jordan. How are you doing? I am doing terrific, man. Your team—it looked like it looked like you were coaching on the sidelines of a basketball game. They put up eighty-six <laughs> points against Florida Memorial. Eighty-six? Are you kidding me? Well, you know, you you said it just right, Coach Dooley. Call uh, his offense, uh, you know, playing basketball on the football field. But <laughs> obviously, uh, you know, I don't I I don't think that. Uh, we could imagine that we'll score that many points. We really uh, respect the Florida Memorial coming in. We know that they played a week prior and, and had a good showing against Edward Waters. But, uh, you know, I, I think it surprised us all how well we played, and, uh, and we're looking forward to continuing to get better. Two new coaches, Brian Kelly at LSU. You mentioned Eric Dooley returned to his alma mater following a really successful run at Prairie View A&M. What dynamics does he bring to that football organization? Well, as you can see, I think that, first of all, he brings knowledge and tradition of Southern University uh, football history. And also he brings uh, a knowledge of this community and the expectations of this, of this football program. And um, I think those challenges don't intimidate him. I think he accepts those challenges because I think one of the key ingredients is understanding what Southern University uh, athletic departments, especially in football, pride is all about. And so uh, yeah. uh, I think that he brings a, a connectivity, uh, an awakening to, to bringing our, our athletic alums back that play football along with our fan base that remember him under the great uh, legendary Pete Richardson. So I yep. bring, I think he connects all the dots that we're looking for. That's awesome. All right, Roman Banks. I, I, again, I have learned again in my lifetime to never say never. I never thought this day would come where LSU and Southern would play on a football field. I really didn't. I am thrilled that they are. Take me back. How did this all come into fruition? You know, I'm going back to probably about four and a half years where we started the conversation. And uh, uh, I actually started the conversation uh, with Verge at LSU. Okay. And, uh, 
and that previous staff, and and uh, we got the game going and started to have the conversation. I think one of the things that uh, that really made this happen is that it was a conversation about uh, you know these two schools never played before, but it's also a conversation of why these schools never played before. And mm-hmm. we just thought it was time as we started to have these conversations that uh, we probably need to bring this community together, uh, this state together, and I think around this nation um, as this game is, as you know, is being built up and uh, uh, is an awakening for this city. And uh, I think it's going to showcase and be the probably the first type of game around this country, the blueprint of, of what we could do working together. And so uh, we never, I never really, I envision it. Uh, I never realized that that never happened until we started having the conversation uh, five years ago. But we're glad that we're to this point today. I'm not going to ask you the amount, but I hope you get a big, big check. You don't have to travel far, so your travel expenses aren't going to be anything. Uh, but I hope you get a big check. And what does this game like this mean? Not only to bring the community together, but for your athletic department, it's got to be just a, a, a tremendous shot in the arm. Well, you, you know, uh, when you start talking about student athletes these days, uh, I, I know that they are Power Five, and and uh, you know we are FCS uh, uh, level university. But you start talking about the transfer portal, and you start talking about building your program, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get kids unless you start thinking outside the box because. Uh, all kids at all level want the opportunity to play schools like that as well, right? They want that one shining moment, as I call it. Yeah. And, uh, and and so you got to be able to have a game like this on your schedule, and you got to be able to let kids know, hey, you're going to play these schools. Uh, you're going to be showcased as well to try to get some of these uh, four- and five-star athletes, two or three of them, to transfer to your, to your school or, or recruit them out of high school. And I think that this is really will be a big booster for our athletic program playing this type of school. You know, it's going to be showed, uh, you know, on television. Uh, yeah. And I think it's going to get the exposure from businesses that will invest back into our university as well when you start talking about corporate sponsorships. So yeah. I think this is going to mean not, not just a game guarantee, but I think it's going to mean a lot for us going forward. It's awesome. You know, we, I never played basketball against Southern University, but in the summertime, boy, we used to have some some great uh, pickup games in the field house against Pop Green and, and Tommy Green and, and those boys. And, and we had a lot of respect for them um, and they for us. So there was a mutual respect there. And I'm sure a lot of the LSU players, they always have. They've always liked to go visit on the bluff and have a good time there. And so I'm sure there's a mutual respect. I know the players know one another and um it's going to be a lot of fun come saturday night oh you know what uh, you know the the tailgating is probably going to be on a scale <laughs> of 10 right you probably got the best fan base uh, uh, in the country on both sides all coming no together question. and so so i just think that you know just the festivities in the air uh really going to have this game uh very exciting for people that's not going into the stadium. We're going to be hanging out around the stadium, and I think that uh, uh, that you will see uh, two proud universities, two traditionally proud uh, uh, fan bases and football programs at their level come together, which I think is going to cause the explosion. 
I know that all the coaches, they ban practice from the media. I could care less. I just want to go watch what the human jukebox is planning for halftime on Saturday. That's what I want to see. Now that's going to be a, that's going to be a treat within itself, and uh, you know that's a that's also a, a, a parallel as you, as you talk about uh, you know the the marching band from Tigerland. They band director come from you know one of our rivalries, and now he's over there, and, and our band director is a southern guy. So I think that once you see uh, the jukebox and 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 they are awesome show, uh, we think that's a part of our whole travel process when we bring our football team and they come in because we know people want to see the band, the human jukebox, and the fabulous dancing dolls. We just think that we have the whole package all together and that and it's and it's worth paying the price of admission for. The dancing dolls are terrific. And I I advised LSU, I said, look, this is a once in a lifetime. Extend your halftime. Do it like the Super Bowl. Give these bands a chance to show their stuff. And people won't leave like they normally do at halftime. Now, the concession stands are going to hurt a little bit. But you got to have a little give and take because nobody's going to leave their seat for this one. No, no. They have to wait for third quarter for the for the concession stand they you know we're known we're known for that uh you know in the hbcu level nobody moves until the third quarter and so uh hopefully that that spill over into into the sec this weekend uh where everybody's staying put to the third quarter and hopefully and hopefully you know they can wait because hopefully that uh our football team come and competes well enough where we're putting on some exciting action as well I'm with you. Roman Banks, the AD of the Southern University Jaguars. Not only is there a football game on Saturday, but all week long, LSU and Southern are collaborating on events ahead of the game. We call it the Community of Unity. So not only is there a football game, but there's a food drive, there's um, there's business leaders, there's educational leaders. It's just a great week to bring, like you said, this city and these communities together. Yeah, it's a it's a plethora of things going on, and uh, you have to follow social media. And uh, you know, like I say, this is this is real important to me because I just think during this day and time that we need and we can lead athletically wise, right? And all the history uh, I've been raised on, uh, athletics bringing people together through tough mm-hmm. times. And I just think um, you know, with everything going on in, in the city of Baton Rouge, that this game can mean a lot to all of us. And uh, I'm glad that we were able to make this game happen. Uh, it's been a long time coming, uh, uh, you know, and, and I think that this is going to be a real exciting time for all of us. I know that city of Baton Rouge uh, playing their part, uh, uh, the state of Louisiana is playing their part, and both universities are playing their part. And we have a lot of people in the, in the community, uh, small and bigger businesses, that's hosting a lot of events. And so I I welcome everybody to come out and let's have a good time and let's celebrate each other. Absolutely. Blue and gold, purple and gold. And, oh, in case you didn't know, uh, more than this was the first game on LSU's schedule to completely sell out. It it, it was sold out before the Alabama game, before any other SEC game. LSU Southern was the first big-time, flat-out, sellout so um i'm not asking for tickets but uh if you want to invite me up there to that suite you're going to be in if you want to invite me to your suite i'll go now i'll go roman i'll hang with you hey look we are all i i i cannot answer this this ticket request to all my friends this game i apologize in advance this is a hot <laughs> ticket 
Uh, <laughs> this has probably been – this ticket has been the hottest ticket we've been involved in in a long time. And so, uh, you know, the thing everybody keep asking, are you all going to do it again? And so let's see how this turnout come out. Let's see how, how this game turn out, how people come out and celebrate this event. Yep. And uh, I, I like to see us do this, continue to do this some type of way. Uh, I can't say when, but I think that this is great for all of us. Well, I will never say never again, and I'm thrilled for it. What a week-long celebration it's going to be. It's going to be the greatest tailgating party in the history on the campus of that university because I don't know who to go to, the JAG fans, and they're cooking, or the Tiger fans, and they're – I mean, it's going to be a food festival, and the bands are going to be – it's going to be great. Oh, you get a chance to go around, I mean, and just taste test. I mean, they're going to have the greatest food around there. So <laughs> we're excited about all the food going around. I got this little pass that I just get a chance to go around and taste everything. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. So I have to make sure I, I got to make sure I get my work on, workout on before that game. Uh, the perks of being an AD. You can go wherever you want and see whoever you want. Roman, I, I really appreciate you taking some time out for us. Uh, enjoy this entire week um, and have a great showing on Saturday. Uh, proud of you. Proud of your university. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Go Jags. Uh, there you go. Look at him. Look at him. Go Jags. All right. Uh, there you go. Roman Banks, the athletic director of the Southern University Jaguars. Um, yes, football season is here. And 1037, the game, Lafayette, 1041, Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. Now, you can score $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate. Ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. So Southern is a not a power five team, not a group of five teams, so there's no line on this game. Um, I wonder how many points LSU's favored by, if you had to guess. Eh, we'll think about it. We'll come back. Uh, we'll wrap up hour number one, tell you what's coming up. Hour number two, the Jordy Helper Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back at uh, 55 minutes after the hour. I got a text during the break. Uh, my buddy Zach Ewing of uh, betnola.com was listening in, sent me a text that said um, there is no point spread because sports books don't typically release betting lines for games that involve football championship subdivision teams like Southern until later in the week, sometimes not until the morning of the game. That's because there's less data is known about FCS teams and sports books are going to try to limit their liability to a line that might be unknowingly lopsided. 
So I asked him, well, just give me a, what do you think LSU would be favored by at this point in time? He said, eh, why don't you put up about 38 and a half? Now that can't be bet on yet. And there's a chance the line moves by the time the line is released. But uh, that's just kind of a, of a start. Remember last year's FCS opponent, McNeese, LSU closed as a 39 and a half point favorite Failed to cover in a 34-7 to win. So just sit tight, relax. We'll figure it all out. And Vegas is pretty darn smart. Pretty darn smart. So if you bet the under with Florida State and LSU, you were a big winner. If you bet LSU to win, they were three three-point favorites. Well, you know the, the answer to that one. All right, coming up, our number two of the program, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us. We'll talk all things uh, Saints as they get ready for their season opener against the Atlanta Falcons. The Game Reward Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. You become a member of the Rewards Club. You you have a chance to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com game.com or 1041 thegamecom It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Hour number two, straight ahead. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on a Tuesday, September 6th, the year 2022. How are you doing? I don't know about you. Are we ever going to see that thing called that orb up in the sky called the sun? When's the last time we had a sunny day? My goodness, it's enough to drive you... uh, uh, into whatever, but I'm ready for some sunshine. Uh, but it's coming. I, I, I hope. I pray, knock on wood. Uh, Hour number two of the program brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlet. 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana with a very simple, dedicated mission statement. Serve the community and have your customers leave with a smile on their face. That's simple, and that's what they aim to do each and every day. So whether your needs are fresh food, fuel, top-shelf wines or spirits, or maybe even just a a quick pit stop, ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets looks forward to serving you in their spacious stores that are filled with Louisiana products, in their modern restrooms that are always clean and comfortable, and their delicious food that's always fresh, Always fast. Uh, ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. They've got awesome deals. You become a Buku Rewards member. It's free. You sign up. You save inside the store each and every day. You can also save at the gas pump with their new Gator Gas program. You can earn additional cents off per gallon on every fuel purchase. Just sign up. Go in to ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. Ask about the Buku Rewards program. Tell them you heard it here on the Jordy Helpert Show, and they'll get you set up, and you will save, save, and save some more. My main man, James Mesh, um, managing 
uh, this show, Through the Waters, as he takes us from the master control room in the game studios on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. Head west, we're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. You won't imagine how many messages I get from people all over the country uh, that that tune in, and we're, we're thrilled about that. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, uh, you're by a television set, we'll pop it on because we are also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. We'll talk heavy duty with the New Orleans Saints in this hour. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us as um, the Saints open up their season against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. It'll be the Raging Cajuns at home again. Eastern Michigan comes to town. Uh, the McNeese Cowboys travel again. Second week, second time they travel, but this time just a short two-and-a-half-hour drive from Lake Charles to Houston as they take on the Rice Owls. And LSU will play Southern University, a, a school that's just a few miles up the road from LSU. It's even closer than Duke, North Carolina. It really is. It's closer than that. And they will play an historic matchup Saturday in Tiger Stadium. Um, if you missed our number one, we talked to Tigers with Matthew Bruni from On3.com covering the uh, the Bengal Tigers uh, in that aspect. And we talked to the athletic director, Roman Banks, from Southern University. It means an awful lot to that pro. Not only are they going to get a huge check, and they deserve it. It's going to help them with their athletic programs. And, they, you know, they, they're not a Power 5 school. They're a SWAC school, and they have to fight and scratch and claw for everything they get. This will be a, a quite the reward for them. Meanwhile, LSU is going to try and figure out a way to right this ship. Um, Brian Kelly met with the media today and he talked about, you know, he took a lot of the blame. He, you know, he, he did mention the fact we've got to, we've got to coach better. We've got to learn how to play the game better. Uh, he did compliment his quarterback. I think uh, early recognition needs to be better later in the game. He definitely settled into some really good rhythm. Uh, when we did go some tempo, I think that really benefited him. Not only did it benefit him, it benefited the wide receiver that benefited everybody. Now LSU knows what, what works for them offensively um it's very difficult uh to talk about mason smith and the acl injury that ended his season brian kelly on mckay wingo who will take his place he said quote it's hard to compare anybody to mason smith his size his athleticism but wingo is going to be wingo and what he does is extremely effective as a football player he gets now a bigger share of the work so many people were including myself um i didn't like the biorhythms that Kayshawn booty were was exuding in his game and i know look i know he wants the ball and wide receivers are divas they think every play should be a passing play to them and he'll catch everything last year they didn't have wide receivers really other than him before he got hurt and max johnson force fed it force fed it force fed it force fed it it's tough when you're getting the ball thrown to you the majority of the time to what happened on sunday night but uh that's what happens when you're a big-time player. Teams game plan to take you out of it. 
and they try to make somebody else do better. So like Jure Jenkins, who took advantage of the opportunity and had a heck of a game. Here's Brian Kelly on Kayshawn Booty. He said his standard is so high, it was a difficult day for him, but he's going to have great games. He's the least guy that I'm concerned about on our offense. Yeah, okay. I understand that. Um, Brian Kelly said we have to be careful not to say that this defines anything about this football team other than what they displayed. They play, they displayed grit. They displayed character. They love playing for LSU. They are going to battle their tails off. Okay. That's fine. You got a chance to, to really, uh, do some things, um, against Southern university. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna win the game. You're gonna win it convincingly. Uh, you just want to get, you want to play to your strength. This is not a time to feel sorry for Southern University in any way, shape, or form. Southern's gonna play hard. I promise you. This is their biggest. This is their Super Bowl of Super Bowls. They're gonna be on national, on on television, on the SEC network. They're gonna be broadcast everywhere. That doesn't happen. Okay, that does not happen. So these players are going to try and put their best foot forward. They're going to play as hard as they can. They're going to try and get recognized by scouts. So they're going to bring it. Now, what attitude, what disposition does LSU bring to the game? A classic example, uh, and this is another one of those classic Jordy back-in-the-day stories, okay, back-in-the-day. When I played basketball at LSU, we had guys from all over the world, basically, not only the United States, I had guys from Kentucky, from Texas, from Australia, from Florida, from New York, uh, all over the globe. And our opening game was against Tulane. These guys didn't know Tulane from a man in the moon, but it meant the world to me because I grew up in New Orleans and I knew how much it would mean for Tulane if they would beat us in anything, in anything. Still to this day, it means everything to them. It is their Super Bowl. So freshman year, I had to tell these guys, look, guys, I don't care what you think. You know, Rudy Macklin, you you care about Louisville and Kentucky, and that's what you grew up watching. But let me just tell you, down here, we can't lose this game. We are not going to lose this game. I don't care what it takes. We are not going to lose it. And uh, they learned quickly what I knew going into the game. Tulane was going to play their rear ends off. They were going to do whatever they could to try and beat us. And it got testy. It got a little, you know what I mean? Um, now we played them four times in four years, never lost to them, never lost to them. So long story short, uh, Southern's going to want to play hard. Now they don't have the numbers. They don't have the size. They don't, but they've got a lot of heart. They got a lot of pride. They're going to play hard, uh, but LSU has got to take care of their business. And um, we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's hard to tell how much they will show from an improvement perspective, but they've got to get better because Mississippi state's coming the following week. And we've seen what Mississippi state can do with that passing game uh, that they bring to the table. So um, lots of work to be done. I know there was a lot of film study and look, film study is tough on everybody because they don't show you much of the good stuff. They, they show you the bad and it's in front of all your peers. So, Poor Malik Neighbors had to revisit those muffed punts 
That offensive line had to revisit the blocked field goal and the blocked extra point. That offensive line had to revisit how badly they were controlled at the line of scrimmage by uh, Florida State, who had one really, really good NFL player on their team. Uh, but they had to show all that. But that's that's where Brian Kelly talks about constructive criticism. And if you've been an athlete and you've been in a film room, um, you understand. As Brian Kelly said, players understand criticism, criticism comes with the responsibility of playing for LSU, but there's a line. He won't make excuses for players, but coaches must be constructively critical to help players improve. You keep talking, you keep hearing the thing about you got to break the Colts and then build them back up. Well, they broke them down yesterday. Now that's in the rearview mirror. Now it's time to build them up again. So this week, yeah, you study Southern University. You don't ever take any opponent for granted. But, man, you got to work on your game. You got to work on what you do, what you're trying to accomplish, and you got to get better at it. You just have to. You can't simulate it in practice, but you got to be a good student of the game. You got to understand your responsibilities, and you have to think it. You have to believe it. And then when the game comes, you have to execute it. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. So, big week for Southern University. Um, It's a big week, a community of unity. And it's big for this part of the world. Um, It's a sellout. And Southern will will bring their crowd. They'll bring their band. If you've never seen uh, the human jukebox and the dancing dolls, they are some kind of show. They are terrific. They are terrific. They really are. And it's going to be a great combination the golden band from tigerland and and the human jukebox um it's going to be fun it's going to be fun lsu's going to win they're going to win convincingly and people will forget about that florida state game and then they'll move on from there that's just the way it goes but right now brian kelly welcome welcome to lsu football welcome to football in the south and the sec every game is like Wow. Life or death to so many people. So many people. You just got to ride the wave because there'll be good days. There'll be bad days. And as so many people have have come out and said, um, even Nick Saban had a tough first year. Went eight and four, lost to lost to UAB. Even happens to the greatest of the greats. Got to get your right players. You got to get them to understand your system. Unfortunately, in today's time, um, what have you done for me now is the way it is. So Florida State's behind. What are you going to do now, Brian Kelly? And that's what we'll find out come Saturday night at 630. All right. We'll take a quick time out here when we come back. Bob Rose, St. Sue's Network. Saints trying to get off on the right foot. They're five and a half point favorites over the Atlanta Falcons. They play it in Atlanta, a rivalry game to start the NFL season. How about that? We'll have that story with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Houston Astros. It's almost playoff time here in Southwest Louisiana. Oh, 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 
It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Bob Rose, it's game week. Finally, the NFL kicks off on Thursday. The Saints play at high noon on Sunday. Could you ask for a better opener than the Dirty Birds of Atlanta? Good afternoon, buddy. How are you? Good afternoon, my friend. Uh, Happy belated Labor Day to you, your family, and all you listeners out there. Uh, And, yeah, what what better way to kick off the season than than a high noon shootout with the Dirty Birds? (laughs) Uh, the Saints released their initial depth chart for the game. No surprises anywhere to me. To you, anything? No, not really. Uh, I found it a little bit interesting that Chris Olave was lifted, listed as a third-string wide receiver. Uh, also pretty interesting that Peyton Turner uh, was listed a little bit lower on the depth chart than I expected. Uh, but both of these guys are going to get plenty of opportunities, especially Olave. Uh, we don't know about the health of Michael Thomas. He's going to be a go, but we don't know how limited that hamstring is going to be. Uh, and Olave is going to get plenty of chances in this season opener, trust me. I want to talk about the Saints defense. They've had some um, some dominant defenses in the past. Does this unit have a chance to be surpass the Dome Patrol and that Super Bowl winning defense? Just on paper, do you do you see the potential there? Jordy, I absolutely do. Uh, and I've mentioned it you know, in the past. Uh, you know, let's start at the back end. Uh, you know, I've said many times, you and I have commented many times, uh, that Marcus May, Tyron Matthew have the potential uh, to be a greater safety tandem than Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins were just due to their versatility and their better athleticism. Uh, you know, the cornerbacks, it's no brainer. You know, Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, uh, you know, can shut down any duo of wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, and you have some you know, pretty – uh, pretty darn good backups and Alante Taylor and Bradley Roby. The Mario Davis best in the business for my money, not only at linebacker, but at any defensive position. Uh, you know, Pete Warner, a little bit concerned about his health and the depth at the linebacker spot. Uh, you, know, you yourself have outlined that concern many times. Uh, but if Warner you know, stays upright, uh, yeah, I, I think this linebacking core can be uh, very good because of Demario Davis um, and the defensive line. There's no deeper edge rotation in the NFL. Uh, I, I look for a return to dominance, uh, at least to some aspect, from David Onyemata. Uh, and you got Shy Tuttle, Contavia Street, very, very good defensive interior uh, you know, run stoppers. I'm, I'd like to see a little bit more uh, better pass rush from them. So, yeah, on paper, from front to back, this definitely has the potential to be the best New Orleans Saints defense in franchise history. And that's saying something. You mentioned the Dome Patrol, the Super Bowl winner in 2009. Hazlitt's early 2000 teams yeah. Uh, yeah, had very, very good defensive, uh, defensive uh, units. But I, I, I just think that this unit from front to back and outlining every position uh, you know, on paper already looks maybe better than any we, we've seen from the Saints before. And they were good. I mean, it's the only unit in the league to rank in the top 10 of both scoring and total defense each of the past two seasons. And that's the first time since the aforementioned Dome Patrol days that the Saints have ranked that high in both major defensive categories in back-to-back seasons. So the question is, is Cam Jordan going to be better this year? Marcus Davenport going to be better? Are the safeties going to be better? i got to believe Werner's going to be better with another year under his belt. Do you think this defense can take it even to another level? 
Yeah, I really do. Uh, yeah, because of all those players you just mentioned. Uh, and remember, last year we only saw Peyton Turner for four or five games before he went down with an injury. To know Passanio was lost for the year uh, in midseason with an injury. David Onyemata just didn't seem to be the same player when he came back from his suspension. Uh, you know, Bradley Roby has another year of experience in the system. Yeah, and you know, that's just a few spots. Uh, yeah, Cam, it's tough to see Cam being better than he was down the stretch. Uh, but even if he's just the same old Cam Jordan that we've come to know and love, uh, that's a spectacular defender. Marcus Davenport, the only issue with Marcus Davenport is health. If Davenport could stay on the field healthy, yeah, he, he's nearly unblockable at that other edge. Uh, and, you know, really, if uh, you, you don't have the offensive line resources to double team both Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport at each edge, uh, yeah, if, if you do that, you're going to leave gaping holes in your interior. And we've seen what Demario Davis could do with, yeah, with a gap in the blocking. We've seen what David Onyemata can do in single team blocking. So yeah, yeah, this this front seven is where it starts. Uh, yeah, and that helps make the secondary better. But at the same time, the sticky coverage and uh, you know, aggressive mentality of that defensive backfield lets the uh, yeah let, lets that front seven know yeah we can really pin our ears back because we got the guys behind us they're gonna you know they're gonna lock on to opposing receivers and i think dennis allen already put his stamp on this way back when and like in 2016 when he came over and you look at them and what they draft and who they pick up in free agency that defense is built on a specific height all their front four are tall they've got length they've got speed and athleticism and that's what they basically thrive upon i mean that that front four is tall their backups are even taller uh and that's to be able to handle this new prototype of offense that spreads the field and so much athleticism the defense has to be able to keep up yeah you're absolutely right uh and that athleticism uh also allows for those defenders to be versatile uh you know demario davis yeah we know that dennis allen often employs a two linebacker alignment to bring that extra defensive ba uh, back back onto the field. Uh, that puts a heck of a lot of pressure on the athleticism and open field abilities of your linebackers. Uh, yeah, Demario Davis, we've already mentioned him. Uh, yeah, Pete Warner has been up to the task. Before that, we saw Quan Alexander. Uh, you know, so so those are important attributes to have. Uh, the versatility of all these defenders. Uh, you know, if you run a no huddle at the Saints, we we just spoke about the depth of this unit from front to back. Uh, but if you run a no huddle at the Saints, uh, you know, New Orleans says no problem because you know we have the guys that can move inside and you know and rush your quarterback. Uh, you know, we have an inside guy like Dave. David Onyemata, we can put on the outside. Uh, you know, Demario Davis, Pete Warner, they, they are sideline to sideline linebackers. Our safeties, you want us to move up into the box and stuff your run? Okay. You want them to move and cover a slot receiver? Okay. We could play single high, double high, you know, two high safety alignments, cover two, cover three, uh, you know, man to man across the board. Uh, this defense can do it all. And to your point, you mentioned stop the run. Few teams play run defense better than the Saints. Just look at the numbers. They're the only team in the league to rank in the top five in run defense each of the past four seasons. And as I recall, during that span, they had a streak of 55 games without allowing a 100-yard rusher. That's pretty stout. Without a doubt, it is. As a matter of fact, that 55 games, uh, you know, regular season games, is an NFL record, I do believe, or at least ties one. Uh, and 
it's it, it's that key to making opponents one dimensional. Uh, you know, you shut down the run. You, uh, you basically eliminate the threat of a play action pass. Uh, you know, you're also putting additional pressure on that offensive line. Uh, you know, without you know, and, and and these guys could stop the run without necessarily bringing another defender into the box. Uh, you know, so, OK, well, you've just made your opponent one dimensional New Orleans, but you still aren't shorthanded uh, you know, in, in coverage. Uh, you know, uh, the linebackers can cover with anybody, you know, including the most athletic tight end. We've even seen De- you know, DeMario on wide receivers before out of the slot. Uh, and you know, the ability of the defensive backs to take on their man one on one. Uh, you know, without you know, with very little double team help, uh, you know, again allows for that roaming defender. We've seen it be Chauncey Gardner Johnson in the past. Uh, you know, but there's any number of New Orleans defenders that can take on that role. Uh, you you basically, if you're a New Orleans Saints opponent, you're going to have defensive players flying at you from all directions. As uh, co-defensive coordinator Chris Richard said, quote, uh, when you turn on the tape and you're preparing for us, the New Orleans Saints defense, you have to prepare for a little more than just scheme. You got to prepare for speed, physicality. It's physical and mental toughness. I love the fact that the Saints are hanging their hat right now on on this defense because I think that can carry them a long, long way till this offense can can stop treading water and figure out what they're all about and get rolling. You better believe it. And I don't think it'll take very long for this offense to, you know, to gain a footing uh, and really develop their personality. But you're right. Until they do, uh, you know, this is a defense that will win you football games. Uh, you, know, you, you just look no – you look as recently as that game in Tampa Bay last year. You know, the, the Saints were awful offensively. Yet, if you're a Saints fan – when you're watching that game against Tom Brady and all those weapons in Tampa Bay, you still had a good, confident feeling throughout yeah. the contest that the New Orleans Saints were going to come away with a win, and they did so you know, with with a, an old-school-style 9 to nothing victory. Yeah. That's the way this team can beat you, uh, you know, is by just you know, taking you into a phone booth or behind the woodshed uh, you know, and just beating you senseless. Uh, but you... You hit the nail on the head, too, when you talked about you know, mental toughness. This team, this defense in particular, it is mentally tough. They are full of smart players. That's another prototype uh, you know, that, that the Saints have for, for their defense uh, you know, is bringing in extremely intelligent players that are going to pick up the scheme quickly, pick up what Dennis Allen and those coordinators want to do quickly. That's the key. Uh, that's every bit uh, a key to their success as their athletic prowess. I think they got Hall of Famers. They got Cam Jordan. I think he's going to the Hall of Fame. I think um, uh, Teran Matthew has a chance to go to the Hall of Fame. Demario Davis is a stud. And so they have stars on all three levels. The question mark I have is they've been they've been one of the better sack defenses, sacking the quarterback. I think the Rams and the, the Steelers may have had more in the past five years. I'm not positive about that. But their ability to get to the quarterback, but also their ability to affect the quarterback, because it's hard to get to them. They get rid of the ball so quickly, but make them kind of throw out of a well kind of a deal. Make that quarterback hesitant, think a little bit, and get rid of it too quickly. And that's what I think they could do. Can they get even better? I think Davenport has to, to step up his game. If he does, man, look out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, the Marcus that you know, everybody talks about how dominant Cam Jordan was down the stretch of the year last year. Marcus Davenport was every bit as good. 
Uh, and, you know, it's that kind of Davenport. When I say that this man is unblockable, it's that kind, it's that Marcus Davenport I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, he's coming into a contract here. He's eyeing up potential big, big, big dollars, you know, be it with New Orleans or anybody else. Uh, you know, I, I think this young man is in for a monstrous year. Uh, and, you know, we, it, we've seen him affect quarterbacks in so many different ways other than just getting the QB on the ground. And, you know, same with Cam and those other rushers up front. Uh, you know, when you see a veteran guy like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers you know, uh, you know, employing a duck and cover method uh, or skipping their feet around in the pocket, that tells you that this New Orleans, that the New Orleans pass rush just has the, the entire timing of their offense mm-hmm. down pat. And they, they have the ability to rattle established veterans such as that. All right, Bob Rose, Saints News Network here on the Black and Gold Report. We'll take a timeout when we come back. His scouting report on the Dirty Birds from Atlanta. Does Marcus Mariota scare you? Who in the heck are their wide receiver? Who do they have on their team? I don't know, but Bob does, and he'll tell us that next here on the Jordy Helford Show of the Game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Astros in southwest Louisiana. 35 minutes after the hour, part two of the Black and Gold Report with the Saints News Network's finest, Mr. Bob Rose. Bob, um, the Saints open up week one on the road against their division rival, Atlanta Falcons. And you normally say, hey, throw the records out the window. These two teams hate each other. They always play close. Saints are five and a half point road favorites. That's almost unheard of in this series, buddy. Yeah, it really is, especially for a season opener. Uh, you know, Vegas usually likes to keep the lines pretty close. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you are right. You know, you look back through this history, there have been some, you know, wonderfully entertaining games, uh, you know, some you know, eye-rolling upsets. Uh, you know, we saw one as recently as last year uh, when an overmatched Atlanta team came into New Orleans for the second time in three years uh, and walked out of there with a victory. I don't see this being that kind of Falcons team. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a vastly different Falcons team than the one we're used to seeing. Well, obviously, the you know, Atlanta is proceeding on without Matt Ryan. They're yeah. coming into their second year without Julio Jones, yeah. uh, and they're going to be without Calvin Ridley, uh, yeah. you know, the fine wide receiver suspended for the year. So, so who do they have? <laughs> Jordy, they have some. They have actually some intriguing weapons offensively. Uh, right. you know, Marcus Mariota is not the most accurate quarterback in the world, but he's a wonderful athlete. We yep. have seen athletic quarterbacks give this Saints defense some trouble in the past. Yep. Yep. So that's something that I'm going to be watching closely. Uh, you know, two weapons that absolutely killed New Orleans uh, when when they played in the Superdome last year was Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts. Uh, you know, those two guys are back and they do present matchup problems. Mm-hmm. What I liked about New Orleans is the second time they faced uh, you know, Dennis Allen and that defensive staff adjusted well to the versatility of uh, you know, Patterson and the matchup nightmare that is Pitts, and they really shut them down. So I'll be interested to see how that defensive coaching staff matches up their weapons with Pitts and Patterson this time. Uh, and you know, Atlanta used uh, the eighth overall draft pick of the first round to bring in wide receiver Drake London uh, you know, from USC. And if you mm-hmm. click on London's college tape, 
he reminds you of a guy, a, a little bit of a guy named Michael Thomas. Uh, you know, he's a he's a physical guy. He works the middle of the field. He outbodies defenders, and he is an underrated athlete. Uh, but London's been a little bit nicked up, and there's very little depth in that receiving core. Uh, they brought in Brian Edwards, another possession receiver, uh, you know, from the Raiders via trade this offseason. Uh, yeah, but that play, I, there's not a lot of athleticism outside of Kyle Pitts. There's not a lot of athleticism in that receiving core. So yeah, that and their lack of depth kind of plays into the hands uh, of the New Orleans Saints secondary. And Atlanta is going to have the same old, same old problems up front. Uh, they, they almost got Matt Ryan killed in the last few years. Uh, and they've done very, very little to fortify that offensive line. So I give a, another huge advantage to the Saints in that defensive front. Uh, you know, that we've seen them terrorize the Atlanta backfield so often in the last decade. I expect we'll see the same thing on Sunday. 42 and a half is the number, the over under on the game. Again, the Saints are favored by uh, five and a half. You've got uh, that offensive line. The, the the depth chart is out and you've got uh, James Hurst at left tackle, Andrus Pete at left guard, uh, Eric McCoy at center, Cesar Ruiz at right guard, right tackle is Ryan Ramchek. Um, can that group hold up and can that open up some stuff and let Alvin Kamara and company do what they need to do? That seems to me uh with Jameis Winston coming off that injury being out of pocket for a while man if that running game works that that just will open up everything everything else and that to me is the key yeah you better believe it is uh and we saw Alvin Kamara rush for 146 yards against this Falcons team to uh to end the regular season last year uh and I see the Saints having that same kind of advantage up front uh you know Atlanta still has Grady Jarrett uh, along the defensive line and Grady has terrorized Saints blocking many a times over the last few years uh yeah but outside of that there's nothing impressive about their front seven they brought in Lorenzo Carter uh you know who who will challenge as an edge rusher but I like the match up with either Hurst or Ryan Ramchek. Of course, I like it with Ryan Ramchek. I like the matchup on either one of those sides. Uh, yeah, the key is, it, uh, like you said, if, if the Saints are able to establish dominance up front, able to open up that running game, that's going to open up play action for the receivers uh, and for Jameis Winston. Uh, yeah, because Atlanta does have a couple of talented corners in A.J. Terrell uh, and Casey Hayward. Uh, so it's going to be a nice test for a revamped New Orleans receiving core. But make no mistake, the Saints are going to want to establish the run uh, and establish that play action threat early on. I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a mohill. I don't think it means anything, but why is Chris Olave listed as the third string wide receiver on this thing? They've got Michael Thomas at one receiver, backed up by Marquez Callaway. You've got Jarvis Landry, backed up by Traquan Smith, Chris Olave, or Deontay Hardy. Misprint? What, what, what's going on there? I laughed when I saw that because very rarely, even in early season depth charts, very rarely will you see an or on the depth chart. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you might see a couple slashes here and there. You know, you, you'll, you'll see guys listed at backups in, you know, in multiple positions. Uh, but yeah, it, it gave me a good chuckle. And you're right. Uh, yeah, it absolutely means nothing in the end. Uh, but I, it, it caught my eye, too, uh, when Olave was listed uh, behind Traquan Smith. Uh, yeah, I kind of bit my tongue uh, at the beginning of our segment when you asked about the depth chart. Yeah. Uh, and I think yeah, Olave has so much greater upside uh, than Traquan. Uh, I think it's just giving the veterans their due respect as they enter the regular season. All right, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. The Saints will kick it off on 
Sunday. Let, let's go through some games and let me get your 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 ideas and who do you like in these games because uh, it is upon us and people people want to know. So Thursday night, what a matchup! Bills at the Rams. Who do you like in that one? I like the Rams to win this game. Uh, I think both teams are going to be in the mix in their respective conferences for the uh, you know, for the Super Bowl berth. Uh, but the Bills are still a little bit banged up on defense. Uh, yeah, their safety Jordan Poyer uh, has just returned to practice, but they're going to be without Trey White. Uh, and if you have a, a, an underhanded cornerback core uh, against Matthew Stafford and company, you're in for a long night. I think it'll be a high scoring scoring game, but I'm pretty confident the Rams will come out. Okay. Um, Joe Burrow and the Bengals host the Steelers. That's uh, well, what an opening game between that black and blue division. Um, Steelers breaking in a new quarterback, Tomlinson. I mean, uh, Trubisky being named the starter. Uh, and the Bengals trying to ride that uh, second place finish into this year. Hey, Jordy, the Bengals are my Super Bowl pick out of the AFC. Uh, I don't understand why people are flat out disrespecting them and what they, you know, the run that they accomplished last year. This is a better team on paper than 2021. Uh, and Steeler fans, I'm sorry. I think it's I, I love Mike Tomlin and I love you. Know, uh, I love Watt and Najee Harris, but I think it's going to be a long year, uh, you know, for the black and yellow uh, up here in Pittsburgh. I think the Bengals are going to roll the Steelers in this one. Oh, we always are interested in NFC South teams, the Panthers, the last game that neither one Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold played. Um, I think Mayfield's the starter, but they host the Cleveland Browns and all the trials and tribulations that club has gone through. Man, who's going to win that one? Hi. Uh, I almost consider this one a toss-up. Uh, did, did you say the game is in Cleveland, Jordy? It's in Carolina. How is it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a significant advantage, not only obviously because it gives the Panthers home field advantage, uh, but it keeps Baker Mayfield away from the Boo Birds in Cleveland. Baker has, has something to prove. And although the Browns have a very good defense, I don't see them producing very much offense, at least until that other quarterback that's on an 11 game suspension comes back. Mm-hmm. I give the advantage to, and Matt, Matt rule seems like dead man walking. I think he's yes. one of the first coaches on the yeah. chopping block. Yes. Um, uh, but I think Carolina pulls out a win and keeps, uh, you know, keeps the, the the Hawks away from Rule's door uh, for one week. You know why I'm picking Carolina? Because Christian McCaffrey's not hurt yet. Right. I hope he that doesn't too. get hurt, but he's healthy. And when he's healthy, he's pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Um, the Patriots have had such a tough time in Miami that they decided to scratch all their travel plans. They used to leave on a Saturday. Well, guess what? They've left today, Tuesday, to travel to Miami to get used to the heat and the humidity. Patriots at the Dolphins. What do you think? boy, Bill Belichick gives a, get, give those uh, give those guys some Miami Beach time. That, yeah, that attaboy. Why not? Um, I think Miami is extremely overrated. I know they added a lot of speed this offseason, but there's still major, major questions about Tua at quarterback. Uh, I don't see them being able to produce much of a running game. Yeah, like you said, yeah, the Patriots historically have had problems in Miami uh, and struggled offensively through the you know, through the preseason. I look for them to come together offensively, and I think the Patriots are going to go on the road uh, okay. and uh, and knock off their division rival. Some really good games. Packers at the Vikings. Uh, new wide receivers for Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings, new coach, um, Kirk Cousins. Boy, that's, that's another divisional rivalry game there. What do you think? It is, and Packers-Vikings games are always fun to watch. Uh, yeah, extremely intense games. 
Uh, the the NFC North is the Packers to lose. It wouldn't surprise me if they ran away with it again. I know yeah. some pundits are picking the Vikings uh, you know, to squeak it out or to even be a wild card team. Uh, they still have they have a lot of young defensive players. Minnesota does, but that has to come together. Uh, and until it does, you uh, you're going to fall victim to a veteran quarterback like Aaron okay. Rodgers and a, and a brutal running game. Uh, and I just I, I love Minnesota's weapons at wide receiver. I love Dalvin Cook. I hate Kirk Cousins at quarterback. <laughs> Minnesota just doesn't have the horses to pull this one out. Uh, Raiders at the Chargers, another good one. Um, Carr, Devontae Adams against Justin Herbert and those guys. Boy, I tell you, this AFC West is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, uh, you know, kind of harkens back to the to the Elway uh, days of the AFC West of the '80s and '90s. Uh, I think this, it's going to be that kind of inter rivalry divisional games between these guys. Chargers, I think, are a sneaky Super Bowl pick. Uh, a matter of fact, I picked them to knock off the Chiefs and take the AFC West. Uh, and I think the Chargers are going to get off to to a strong regular season, uh, okay. you know, to kind of fortify that claim. I like what the Raiders have uh, on the field. I do not like what they have on the sidelines. I don't have much confidence in Josh McDaniels as a coach. Okay. I think the Chargers are a better team right now. Cardinals hosting the Chiefs. Cardinals, uh, Kingsbury and company, they always seem to get off to a great start. Chiefs, um, got to find some new wide receivers for, for my boy, Mahomes. But what do you think? Who, who wins that one? If there's one thing you know about an Andy Reid offense, it's that that unit is going to produce statistics no matter who's at wide receiver no matter who's at running back and i expect the same uh yeah they don't have anybody near the skill level of tyreek hill uh mm-hmm. but they have a deep core and patrick mahomes you know, now has enough you have plenty of experience under his belt to find the open guy uh you know, and make plays with his arm uh, arm and legs combined uh you know kansas city has an awful defense uh but care uh, uh, excuse me arizona's is not that much better uh, I think that this is going to be a shootout between two entertaining teams. Uh, but I look for Kansas. Kansas City has a little bit more experience uh, and big game performances. So I look for the Chiefs to get off uh, to a 1-0 and start. Sunday night, uh, Tom Terrific with all the stuff going on in his life, playing against the Dallas Cowboys in Jerry's world. Quickly, who do you like? Uh, I like Tampa Bay. Uh, but I'm very intrigued to see how mentally – ready Tom Brady is for this season. Uh, you know, Dallas has some wonderful pieces on offense and defense, but I just don't think they're as complete a team as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Monday night, Russell Wilson, the NFL is great. Russell Wilson <laughs> now wearing the Broncos uniform travels back to Seattle, the team that he played for for all those years. Monday night, Broncos, Seahawks, who you got? I'll tell you, yeah, there's no secret how I feel about Roger Goodell in the league office, but I'll give him credit for this. They know how to set up must-see must TV do. matchups. They really do. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Denver, I love Denver. I'm rooting for the Broncos this year, and I think they're a playoff team, but I don't think they're as good as people think. However, they have more than enough to beat up yeah. Seattle. Uh, a team is going to be uh, dwelling near the bottom of the rankings all year long. And last but not least, Saints at the Falcons on Sunday at noon. I know you're picking the Saints, but by how much? Of course I am, and I'm tempted to pick them by a score of 28 to three. Uh, but uh, but I'm going to go Saints 31 to 13. I think we're going to see a humming offense against a, an underwhelming Atlanta defense, and I think we're going to see the Saints defense, as you mentioned earlier, they're going to take control of this game early. Uh, and yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the Saints were up three scores by halftime. 
We're going to do this each and every week throughout the course of the NFL season. We'll talk about the Saints game and the game ahead, and then we'll make some picks. Bob, that was fun. Outstanding job. As always, my friend, keep up the great work uh, with the Saints News Network. Uh, thank you. And I'm ready for another podcast whenever you need me. Uh, my, my friend, what are you doing Wednesday night? We'll bring you on. I got volleyball Wednesday night, but maybe another time. Maybe next you week. You got it. All right. You got buddy. it. Looking thank forward you, Bob. To have a great week. You take care. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holtberg Show on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we're coming to the close of the show. We're down the stretch we come, right? Special thanks to our guest today, Matthew Bruni from um, Bengal Tigers at on3.com for his thoughts on today's press conference with uh, Brian Kelly and what comes ahead. Uh, Roman Banks, the athletic director of Southern University. Thank you, Roman. Um, very good insight as to what this game means, not only economically, but uh, but all the way around um, with this community of unity. It's a pretty good deal. And Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, Saints and the Falcons. So we've got some good games. We've got great guests coming up the rest of the week so be sure you keep it locked in here um to 1037 the game uh, and 1041 the game all week long all day long yes if today is your birthday september 6th happy birthday from all of us to all of you you share your birthday today with the pride of lafayette who can remember who doesn't remember ali broussard yep um member of the LSU 2003 national championship team. The uh, Back in the day, it was all the BCS national championship. I uh, went to Scott High School in Acadiana, um, came to LSU, wore number 22. Um, Cat Daddy, right? Cat Daddy, um, 39 years young. Happy birthday, Allie. Happy, happy birthday. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Mike Huguenin, Hump Day with Huguenin. Thursday, we'll take you behind enemy lines um, with all the opponents. Um, we'll get NFL picks with the Schwab. Um, we'll have a lot, a lot of things going on. So stick with it right here. Brought to you today by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, man, oh man, oh man, you just can't shop right at all. James Mesh, thank you for all you do in your producer's chair. Great job. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do. Radio, internet, television. We got you covered from A to Z. And thank you, our partners. You make it possible. Without you, this doesn't exist. So come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4. Same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. So long, everybody.